You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Well, today is the end of my broadcast career as uh, we have Rob Kendall on. So years from now, I will be doing a video apologizing for platforming him. Uh, and I am looking forward to the conversation and uh, having him thank me for his radio career as it's taking off now. So as you know, I've launched many people like Rob Kendall, Harry Price, Jeff Vibbert. Long string of winners. One day I'll be there too. Stay tuned right after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Warning. This show is for adults by semi-adults, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. Thank you for joining us here on the Chris Spangle Show. My name is Chris Spangle. You've never heard us before. Please subscribe now in your podcast app. Check us out at WeAreLibertarians.com. Uh, my co-host is Harry Price. Uh, he is back in the back. Say hello, Harry. Hey, everybody. Uh, and then our guest today will be Rob Kendall, like I said. Uh, first, I want to start by thanking our patrons, members of Wall Plus, W-A-L Plus. You get all kinds of great, great benefits of being a uh, patron. If you go to joinwallplus.com, uh, especially the ad-free shows, the entire back catalog, you can go back and listen to all the times Rob Kendall was on the show. You can listen to the Rob Kendall Show, the podcast that was uh, hosted in here in 2013, but only if you're a Wall Plus subscriber, and we want to thank especially our $100 a month members, Casey Feldposh, Lars Nordskog, Jake Dell, Matthew Durbin, Ryan Holt, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. Now, we have... I would, be, I would be real worried about what's on those, but I've been so offensive since 2013 that I feel like people would be like, boy, he's really gotten worse. You're not even close. Like you're so milk toast compared to the people that we've had on this network. Like m- few people realize that I am uh, uh, one of the first hosts of a trans podcast in history. Uh with creating Maya and Maya Axton who came to our 100th episode a- with a fully loaded AK47 or something. What was it, Harry? It was an AR-15, okay. And pointed it at Joe Ruiz's wife, and she sweared to never come back again. 
The, you said this years ago, and I thought this was astute. The difference difference between Rob and the rest of Wall is Rob has something to lose. Yes, and, uh, Rob has a career. He is now the host of what I assume will be called the Rob Kendall Show on WIBC. He is uh, it's the biggest talk radio station here in Indiana. So we're very proud of Rob. As we mentioned in 2013, we had uh, Rob here on the network, and so I'd like you to thank me for your career and for giving you a start. Thank you for everything, everything you've done for me. No matter how high or far I go, I will know that you and Harry Price are the reason that I am where I am. See, that is great A ass kissing. And that's one of the reasons that Rob has his own radio show and I'm stuck on the internet uh, because he knows how to kiss ass, Harry. Yeah, well, you know, someone's got to do it. <laughs> well, you know, and, and it's 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 taken me along a uh, very high, very, very long way. You know, you've never lived until you've been responsible for a libertarian candidate for governor getting 300,000 votes. Well, you, really did, the- you did way more for the libertarians last year than I did. Uh, Rob Kendall <laughs> used it. You know, now Rob is getting his own radio show because his co-host has left. And Rob, you've lost. You've caused more co-hosts to leave than I have. Uh, did what? What was it? Why? Why are you getting your own show? What was the uh, impetus for the chicks on the right got the radio show? Then one of the chicks left. They added you for some mysterious reason to the chicks on the right show, and then uh, probably the secret footage, and then you got uh, then now your co-host is leaving. So what? What's going on with the show? Well, if you, I'm proof that if you harass and uh, demean your coworkers for long enough, you can become a star. And uh, Harry, you son of a bitch. (laughs) No, I mean, Rob, you told me years ago that this was your goal. You worked in a closet in Brownsburg at a great little station there that you know, like 14 people could hear. And then you got a weekend show on the local radio station. You worked your way up. You got a shot in the in the uh, afternoons, and now you've got your own show. Congratulations! That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, in all seriousness. I mean, you know, you guys are from central Indiana, so you understand the importance of WIBC. And for many of us, we grew up, that was the station of record. And to be there is awesome. And I, in all seriousness, as much as I despise you, Chris, and love Harry, that uh, uh, I feel like our little family here at We're Libertarians, of which I'm an extended member, has always been a huge, uh, in all seriousness, a huge supporter and uh, a big proponent of what I do, because I think we all know that uh, regardless of what you think about me personally, I hold everyone accountable. Yeah. So Rob last year went to bat for Don Rainwater. Uh, Don Rainwater went out in the Indiana gubernatorial election with the right message. The message we've talked about here, which is COVID is serious. It is real. You need to take precautions. You need to be fully informed with what is going on with accurate information, and then you need to make the best decision for your family. And lockdowns and shutting down businesses and telling people they can go to the grocery part of Walmart but not the gardening part is all lunacy, and it isn't going to work. And John Hopkins this week released a a study basically saying that, that the lockdowns had no marginal effect on actually preventing the spread of the disease. It was a complete failure. And Don Rainwater went from 1% of the gubernatorial race in our previous campaign to 13%, was it, Rob? He came in second place in 30 counties of 92. Yeah, 33 counties overall. And I hope, and look, I did it because our governor is a goof and he's a loser and he's a liar. And uh, the Republican Party in Indiana are goofs, losers, and liars. And uh, 
the Democrats offer nothing here. They're they're worse, if that's possible. And so the only opportunity is that people will be inspired to break away from the Republican Party and start thinking independently. And uh, the libertarians offer some semblance of of that. And I thought Don was a guy worth supporting. And I hope that that will translate into uh, more people free thinking because there's two very important races this year in Indiana, the Secretary of State's race. Jeff Mars, a phenomenal guy running for the Libertarians and uh, the U.S. Senate race in which Todd Young, who is a complete liar, loser, goof and disgrace, is the uh, will once again be Mitch McConnell's appointed nominee for the Republican Party. I kind of like Todd Young. I know you do. I, know. I mean, I prefer, like to, I, I prefer Todd Young to, to Braun. Well, but here's the thing. The difference is Todd Young goes out and this past summer was on a stop Washington waste tour with the mayor. I think it was AFP who was with Todd Young had a nine trillion dollars to the federal deficit while he was in the majority in in the Republican led Congress. That is complete hypocrisy. And this is what the Republican Party in the state does and Republicans across the country do is they look at people and they say, yeah, we suck and we lie to you every time we run and say we're going to shrink government or hold people accountable and we don't do it. But you don't want Democrats in there because, well, then there might be an abortion factory on every corner and you sure don't want that. And the hypocrisy of Todd Young to go on a stop Washington waste tour, he's not mad there's waste. He's mad now. He's not the guy doling out the waste because that's how he buys buys uh, a secure political future. Yeah, I mean, I'd argue if I I could. I mean, he's he's on a, a podcast that I produce called Leaders and Legends and says his favorite book is High uh, uh, Economics in One Lesson by Hazlitt. You know, he's he's foundationally. And this is the problem with Indiana Republicans is that they are not like the crazy breed of Republican that you represent. They're like a very thoughtful. Mitch Daniels type Republican, I probably am closer to that philosophically more often than not. Um, And there's a long, decent track record of good governance by Indiana Republicans compared to other Republicans, definitely Democrats. Philosophically, they talk the right game, but the outcomes aren't there. Like, that's the problem is exactly what you're saying is no matter what Todd Young tells me his favorite book is he doesn't seem to actually enact it in his principles. Well, and and so this is this is the thing. If I were to tell you, I were to say, here's what the party has done over the past two years. Tell me, are there Democrats or Republicans? Uh, largest tax increase in state history, largest budget in state history. Tried to put you in jail for not wearing a mask. Uh, shut down tens of thousands of businesses, uh, uh, closed thousands of businesses, put over a million people uh, out of work. They've tried ridiculous bills like trying. Oh, we lost Rob. I'll continue. Uh, Trump CDC was the one that shut down the uh, all these businesses, initiated the lockdowns, passed all the like all the Republicans running around going, this is Joe Biden's terrible economy. Look at this inflation. Who do you think passed two stimulus bills and Google Trump wants a bigger stimulus than Nancy Pelosi? And you'll find articles where Trump is saying Nancy Pelosi's spending bill didn't go far enough. Like at every corner, like what have Republicans and Democrats been right about over the last uh, couple years, Harry? Exactly. And even when they do get in power, it's not like they try to roll back anything or take any of the grains of sand back. They're most just like, whoa, 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 we're just going to pump the brakes on that. Wait two years and then we'll let you do what you want. But like different with with purple on it and something different, different color. Right. Spin on it. 
I made an egregious mistake and touched my touch screen there, and I wasn't supposed to do that apparently on this uh, streaming service you use. That's okay. We just, you know, like I'm not, and and we separate the virus and the pandemic from government action on it, and try to make that distinction for the little brains who think that if you're anti-mandate, you're uh, anti-vaccine or anti, you know, like you don't think COVID is real or whatever. But in terms of the government response that was initiated by your boy. And the fiscal response to the pandemic, like what have Republicans and Democrats been right about over the last couple of years and how they've managed all this? Oh, oh, we're done ripping on Todd Young. Did I miss that? Is that section of the show well, over with? No, I mean, you can keep going. We just I I, tr- I was like trying to keep the show going. You know, I'll teach you how to be a radio host eventually. Well, I didn't know. I mean, I'm not used to using the streaming platform that you're using, which is great. And Harry looks phenomenal, by the way. Uh, I just didn't. Uh, I didn't know that if I t- accidentally touched, uh, I touched the screen there, that that would kick me off. Uh, no, no, no. You're 100 right. Republicans and Democrats have totally failed society. And the one guy, well, for the most part, consistently has been Ron DeSantis, that has said, "Look." I'm going to allow you to live your life as you see fit. I'm going to allow you to uh, continue to to enjoy liberties and freedoms as guaranteed you under the Constitution. And think about how bad the rest of the government across this country has been, where this guy's a front runner for the Republican nomination just on that. He hasn't done anything special, no major tax reform, no incredible infrastructure project. He literally just said, you can live your life. And people go, that sounds pretty good. Uh, Yes. But does it not also kind of speak to your business? Let's talk about your business um, and the way that information is conveyed. Uh, it's really easy now to control what people think. If you just repeat Ron DeSantis is right or Joe Rogan is a racist and use some selective clips to kind of portray somebody in a certain light uh, – do you think that Ron DeSantis is getting his due from from your business, your your kind of the conservative industrial complex in that? Like because and I say this because how many times are Republicans going to get fooled that this is the next savior to come in and bring us limited government and then Ron DeSantis is really just a complete narcissist looking for attention. You know, he's he's kind of being hero worshiped and they're not scratching the surface and then he becomes their nominee. And he governs as poorly as Donald Trump does. Well, and that's a phenomenal point. It's the first one you made today. Good job. <laughs> uh, I, I'm really proud of you. But this is a this is a mistake that both sides make every single time there's a presidential nomination. Think about in 08, the Republicans. Oh, my God, there's nobody good to run. If only Fred Thompson would run. Comes in, and he was there for about right. nine seconds, and that was the end of that. Then in 2012, oh, there's nobody good to run. If only Rick Perry would run. Within, uh, you know, three weeks, it's oops. Uh, the Democrats were the same way in 2020 in which, oh, there's nobody good to run. What if Bloomberg would uh, get in there? And, you know, we, the, we're looking rather than looking inward to ourselves and saying government is the problem. And no matter who you put in there, that they're always going to be a problem because government is inherently the problem. We keep looking for people to solve the problem. Yeah. If only we just get the right Republican or if only we, you know, and and the voting public at large seems to be in that whipsaw. Where Donald Trump isn't doing the job, let's put in Joe Biden. Well, Joe Biden's not doing the right job, let's put in another Republican. I mean, Republicans are going to have an enormous year in 2022 and 2024. Uh, and it's not going to change because you're not changing the fundamental root of the problem, which is the bureaucratic governance that we have, the, the bureaucracy. Uh, how do we start hacking away at that? How do we start making fundamental real change 
Because the celebrity stuff doesn't seem to be doing it. Well, first of all, can I ask Harry where one gets a hat like that? Yeah. Which, what do you mean, like the the the, the jacket or the ears? This, 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 well, oh, I didn't realize that they're not one uh, thing. I didn't realize it was not. Oh, uh, that's even more impressive. I thought that was sort of an ensemble because they go uh, they go well together. That's really. It's like when Steve Martin on uh, Saturday Night Live had the arrow that went through his head. It was really a, really a hat. Oh, well, that, that's even more impressive. Uh, uh, both, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, the uh, the it's the Razor Kraken Kitty Edition um, headset <laughs> that you can pick up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. The uh, the ears just... actually light. If you notice, like it's still bright in here, but the ears actually do light up. What 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 was the brand again? The, the... Razor Razor oh. Kraken Kitty Edition. That's, that's quite uh, that's quite impressive. No, to answer your question, Chris, I think the biggest issue for people is the w- willingness to walk away from tribalism. We saw this in 2020 in our state, in which how many people would say, oh, yeah, Holcomb, the lockdowns, the mandates, the, the you know, the business closures. Yeah, that's all. That's all. I, terrible. I'm scared. Yeah. Give me a solution. Yeah. And, and yet they would say, well, you know, I'm going to vote for Republicans and for the General Assembly because they've told me they'll hold him accountable. Two years later, the guy still has an emergency declaration that's gone on for 23 months now. I mean, mm-hmm. people have to be willing to walk away on Democrat and Republican turf from the tribe, if the tribe is not serving the people, and neither tribe is serving the people. Yeah. Uh, I, I, go ahead, Harry. I was going to like, yeah, and, and, and it's eventually going to start really showing itself. Well, Indiana, which is poised to become the capital of the Midwest, is just falling behind the other states that are surrounding us on, uh, well, not Illinois. Illinois is dying. We, we're, everyone's watching that. But <laughs> but the other states are, you know, outperforming us in every issue because Holcomb is holding us back. Like, well, that's not how everyone else wants to do it. Then that's done federally this way. And, and you know, instead of allowing Indiana to grow, to be the, become the massive convention city that it can be and it, it is shown to be. Well, Harry, let me push back on that. I mean, I see we get all kinds of conventions. We just had the national super, you know, we've got 80,000 jobs now due to the sports stadium strategy. And, and Rob, you can jump in here, too. I mean, when you look at the way that Indiana's government is run, uh, it is more fiscally responsible than Illinois or Michigan. In what ways are we being held back in your mind? Well, there's a lot of different like rules. Like, like remember, like uh, even like Indiana was held back for a lot of it for just buying alcohol on Sundays for the longest time. That was like the biggest gripe. You can hear people every race, every race Sunday, and they still have it's like it's you still can't buy alcohol before noon, which is stupid. You know, it, and then um, there's the whole marijuana thing. Indiana, we should be grown everywhere. It's you know, it's a great cash crop. Everyone else around us can smoke it, do everything else around it. But you know, you, you cross this border here in I seventy, can't do this. No, it's it's one of those, and you can watch like uh, a lot of these applications, software as a service things. This is this is a breadbasket of software as a service. It, Salesforce has a lot put in all kinds of things in our tax code to allow software as a service companies to come here, but like, hmm. but they try to make it where they don't want them to come here. Move your headquarters here. So two things. One is it's like saying because we all this time. Well, we're the envy of the Midwest. Well, if 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 you're competing against Illinois, it's like saying I got a D plus and going. Hey, I'm the smartest kid. Remember an Animal House? Congratulations, right. Hoover. You're the head of Delta class. Two C's, two D's, and an F. Zero uh, you know. point zero. <laughs> if we're bragging about being better than Illinois, that's um, that's like, again, being a D student and, and saying you're better than someone who's an F. A great example, though, is, uh, is how much big business in the Indiana Chamber controls public policy in this state. And it's right now with this vaccine mandate bill in which these lawmakers put forward 
a bill that would prevent you know, certain vaccine mandates force employers to acknowledge certain exemptions, medical, religious, et cetera. And they did this because for two years they'd heard this from their voters. We want this. Well, they put this bill forward and in comes the Indiana Chamber of Commerce. And all of a sudden in November, oh, yeah, we better hold off on this. We're in the middle of February now. And they still don't have a consensus on what they want to do because they're totally beholden to the Indiana Chamber of Commerce. Okay, so. So, but this is one instance, right? And this, granted, this is a really big violation, right? A bottle, violating bodily autonomy. But in general, don't these organizations like create a very beneficial tax base for companies to come here? I mean, are are you just the rap on you, Rob, in the elite circles of Indiana is that you're. I mentioned in the elite circles of Indiana? You're obsessed over. Uh, oh, no way. <laughs> you are. Oh, God. No way. Oh, yeah. No, because what, what I'm trying to do is trying to uh, say to you what I hear about you to give you an, an answer. Because when you talk to Rob privately, he's a very thoughtful person. On the air, a complete moron and idiot. On Facebook, it's even worse. But, you know, when. when you talk to these folks, they say, listen, yeah, nobody's perfect. We're just trying. It's really hard to scale back government. I know we have a super majority in all these three chambers and the, the Supreme Court, but Rob's just bitching because he's trying to get an audience. He's trying to go after Holcomb because it's entertainment. Uh, you know, in reality, isn't Eric Holcomb better than Governor Whitmer? You know, you can complain about the, the entrenched power of the chamber all you want, Rob. But by and large, don't they do a good job at trying to make this a more economically free state? We're number seven in reasons or Cato's freedom index in terms of states. Like, what are you looking for? Well, okay, number one, I don't accept the fact if things can be better and they can be much, much better here that we just go, oh, well, it's better than Whitmer. Uh, so what? Uh, look, so here's a great example. And by the way, the reason I am the way I am is because I did it. I wrote the largest municipal property tax cut in state history. I did it. I cut taxes four years in a row. I funded over $50 million worth of infrastructure. And all those things when I ran, people told me, no, 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 you can't do. You can do it if you want to do it. And a great example of this is what the Republicans are doing right now with the tax cut. In 2017, Holcomb's first year in office, despite nobody in the Indiana General Assembly running on tax increases, where we all were told was that there was going to be tax cuts. They passed, they being the Republicans, the largest tax increase in Indiana state history, the tax on gasoline. It, it was a, an initial 10 cent increase, and it goes up every single year without discussion. There's no accountability from NDOT. How was the money used? Do we need more money? Do we need less money? Every year it goes up, and they go, oh, well, it's indexed to inflation. Really? That's what we think is acceptable from Republicans and conservatives? Ah, it goes up for inflation. There's zero sense of accountability there. And what happens then, uh, piggyback on top of that, in 2018 or 19, Holcomb comes out and did what I declared the, the war on truckers, which was he just arbitrarily raises toll taxes by a billion dollars. Well, the money ends up going, a big portion of it, to trails 
and fiber for internet. Well, now you see all of these ads from Holcomb about how many trails they are. I'm getting awards from trail associations. Uh, Indiana's leading the nation in trails. They never mention how they did it, which is a billion-dollar tax increase on every single Hoosier. When they talk about these road projects, they didn't make government reforms to find the money like people like I had to do. They stole it from people, and they never have the guts or the testicles to say, we're doing this, but we stole this money from you. You judge it that way. They never have the guts to do it. Well, if you look at like the, the stadium strategy, the sports strategy here in Indianapolis is the crown jewel. So you have this downtown core, you have the circle, you have basically just hookers and drugs on the Indianapolis circle in the 70s. And uh, Dick Luger is, is mayor, and they build Market Square Arena downtown for the Pacers. Then they, and I've got a wheeze, I may need to get checked for pneumonia. <gasps> this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. You are the, sickest, you are the consistently sickest person i know who doesn't have a major underlying health I, I know it's unbelievable it's this stupid covid thing um yeah and so then they build a an nfl stadium for a for a, a sports team before they even have a team and build the the hoosier dome and the colts move here and then they build circle center mall which simon sold off today now you know there's eighty thousand jobs tied to hospitality downtown we have a thriving core we have a thriving business environment salesforce owns the biggest tower you've got tons of restaurants i live 20 blocks north uh i love living downtown and so the, the you know the cultural trail uh, millions of dollars to build a walking trail to connect all this stuff there's no doubt rob that like having trails and having all these things are are, are what attract people to live here and build a base so how do we how do we balance livability? Because what you're saying is, so no, my point is not to defend it. I'm I'm saying like there is a legitimate argument in that the the government spending here has made the city more livable, but there's always the 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 other argument is at what cost, right? So when when you say oh they're stealing this tax money from you, the establishment here says well Rob's not serious because look at how great our city is. And then they kind of repeatedly tell themselves how great this city is, you know, and that that's what they run on. They run on how great the city is, this sense of civic pride, like, and you've, you've come into town and said, forget that. I don't, I'm not going to sit around and kiss everybody's butt and talk about how great this city is and talk about how great these politicians are and, oh, aren't you so wonderful? And you made a splash by saying, no, let's actually dig down and look at what's really going on. And what is acceptable and what could be, uh, and at some great personal cost. And they they've sort of Joe Rogan'd you here, um, but you know when you're when you're faced with that argument of like, look at how all this all this spending has benefited benefited us in different ways. How do you respond to that kind of stuff? Well, I think a great example of this would be what's going on right now. There's a bill. I think it's Senate Bill 390. I could be off on the number, but it's a bill that would essentially sunset the ability to bond off food and beverage tax. And uh, that bill would sunset in 
2042, which is conveniently, I believe, just after Lucas Oil Stadium gets paid off. And so you mean like the Hoosier Dome has never been paid off and we never touched the principal? Correct. But so here's the hypocrisy of these people. In the mid 2000s, they ran out of money to fund Lucas Oil Stadium. And when they ran out of money to fund Lucas Oil Stadium, they had to go to the donut counties and said, hey, would you like to enact a food and beverage tax? Because, of course, you have to ask permission from the state of Indiana to fund a food and beverage tax. And they, what they said to these people is they said, look, we need money for Lucas Oil Stadium. So if you agree to opt into our food and beverage tax, we'll give you the ability to raise the food and beverage tax as well. So if you, the sales tax in Indiana is 7%. If you live in the, all the donut counties, except for, I think it's, it's Morgan. Morgan opted, opted out. Morgan said, right. F you. It's 9%. So they literally bribed under the cover of darkness, these counties to take the food and beverage tax because they said, no, 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 it's fine. If you get blamed for it, just say it's the fault of those pesky bureaucrats in Indianapolis who, uh, who raised your tax. Well, what they, did, what they did, what they did is there's 25% of the revenue in the, in the state. It comes from Marion County, Indianapolis. And there is a lot of jealousy. You know, when I was executive director of the state libertarian party, the northern counties always were jealous of the Marion County. And that happens in every party. The politicians from outside the donut, you know, outside Indianapolis run on, you know, Marion Marion County gets all the spending and we're going to hold them accountable and we're going to get our roads built and forget them. And so it was a very controversial time because what they were saying is this benefits the whole state. Because we bring all kinds of people here, we bring all, you know, but the donut counties, especially, you know, the the people in Hamilton County are the ones that go to the games and, you know, all these conventions benefit because, you know, if 30 miles away, they're going to stay at a hotel some somehow in Carmel, you know, right? So all the tourism benefits us. So yeah, they raise taxes on all the donut counties except Morgan County because we have something called home rule here. And this is actually a very beneficial thing in keeping taxes lower than other places. To get one county to get something like a convention center built, all the counties have to agree to it. So you have to get every state legislator that has run on, you know, a Tom Saunders in Newcastle that's run on, you know, keeping spending low for in Indianapolis has to agree to basically let you build a convention center. And so what happens is every town in Indiana used all the tax credits and tax revenue and co-it increases and county income tax increases, I should say, to build their own conference centers, to build their own stadiums and sports stadiums. So, you know, the the point, Rob, that you're making, I, I think, is, like, it didn't keep spending low. It just expanded it to all these different places like Fort Wayne, which used it to, to build Evansville. Richmond built a convention center and all that stuff. Well, and and so there's two things. One, they do all these tax increases, and then they never tell you how they paid for it. The INDOT stuff, the roads, everything else, directly because of tax increases. The the trails and everything else, directly because of the tax increases. And then in the case of the food and beverage tax, they bribed these counties to do this when they were uh, up in between a rock and a hard place on funding their stupid stadium, giving a billionaire. They gave a billionaire a free football stadium. No, Think about that. it's worse than that, Rob. Jim Irsay wasn't a billionaire. Jim Irsay comes to the town and says, the Colts are incredibly important to Indiana Place. You're going to be lost without us. We need to rebuild the Hoosier Dome because we can't compete. I need you to pay for it. And the state at first said, mm, I don't think so. 
And so he basically started shopping the team around the country and strong-armed them into it, then cut this sweetheart deal with the guy who's now head of the Indiana Athletics Department and Fred Glass, where Jim Irsay gets a cut up to $3 million of every single event held at Lucas Oil Stadium. The day the ink was signed on the deal with the Colts and Jim Irsay, he became a billionaire. And he used that money to buy all this historic rock memorabilia. So this past year, he's come to the city and said, I want to build a museum for all this rock memorabilia. Build me a museum. And says, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to take it to Charlotte or Chicago and see who will give me free money there, too. And stuff, just stuff it. So for these people, the elites or whoever, uh, and by the way, none of them will ever come have a conversation with me. I have the most powerful media platform, arguably, in the entire state, which is WIBC. And none of them, Todd Young, Todd Rokita, Eric Holcomb, on down the line, none of them will ever come have a conversation with me about it for everyone to hear. Theft is not noble. Theft doesn't make you a good government official. Taking from other people and giving it to someone else is not something that I judge uh, you as having done a good job with your uh, career as a public servant. So they want to say that all I do is bitch. No, I'm telling you what to do. The, the, the food and beverage bill is completely disingenuous because now you're trying to keep other people from doing it, which is fine. I tried to kill it in my town when I was uh, when I was an elected official, but they knew people would get so addicted to the money that they would become obsessed with keeping it. And now that just conveniently when the Colts stadium will be paid off, well, now you guys can kill it. No more bonds after that. These people, again, they're disingenuous. They're hypocritical. They're goofs. They're not very bright. Can I tell a story about how uninquisitive these people are? Uh, uh, yeah. Chris, is that all right? So when I was still an elected official, there was a bill. It was Senate Bill 118. And it was a bill that was going to gut tax increment finance districts across the state of Indiana because Luke Kinley, who was a Noblesville senator, was mad that Carmel kept doing Carmel stuff and blowing past Noblesville through creative use of their TIF district. They've, they've spent like million, a million dollars per arch for their arts district, like yeah. massive bond spending. And these these municipalities basically just continue to increase bonds and debt mm-hmm. that they're never going to pay off. They're just going to keep rolling it over. Right. But the point is, Carmel's a bad actor in this. People like Brownsburg, I use tax increment finance for infrastructure, which created close to a half a billion dollars now, or more than that now, actually, in economic development, which is funding tax cuts and keeping keeping taxes low. So the point was, if you want to punish one bad actor, fine. Point is, Luke Kinley knew as a Noblesville senator, he couldn't get this anti-Carmel bill through the legislature because everybody saw for what it was. Noblesville guy mad at Carmel. So he goes to another senator by the name of Pete Miller, who was our senator here in Brownsburg. And he goes, you want to rise in leadership? Miller was a career, you know, you know, you know who he is, Chris, a career political stooge. Lion Pete. Yeah, old Lion Pete. And uh, too bad the guy after him was even worse, old Lion Crane. But uh, anyway, he went to Pete Miller and said, you want to rise in leadership? You're going to carry this bill. And Pete Miller said, oh, yes, sir. And we went to him because he represented Brownsburg, Avon, Greencastle, all these areas who were using TIP in the right fashion to fund infrastructure that the community needed and said, wait, wait, wait a second, buddy. You're going to gut your own communities to carry this bill? And couldn't get any traction, couldn't get any traction. Finally, I got a meeting with him. And this was two or three days before the vote, the end of the session. And I'm up there in his office for about 
30 minutes. And finally, he looks at me, and he's got all these bills up on his wall. They're all tacked up in those little cubicles that they have up there. And he goes, uh, he finally just looks at me, and I can tell he's just annoyed that I'm there because he knew what he was doing, and I knew what he was doing, and he wasn't going to change. He looks at me, he goes, you see all these bills I got to get through? And I looked at him, I said, yeah, you only, you only got two days left. How are you going to have time to read those? Right. And he just stares back at me. And it was like a light went off in my head. And I looked at him and said, oh, that's the secret. You guys don't read anything. You just vote how you're told to vote. And this is what people need to realize. You have uninquisitive, largely unintelligent, politically obsessed people who are making decisions about what you can do with your life and in your communities. Power hungry. Yeah. And again, if any of those people that you talk to want to dispute what I'm saying, I'll give them the forum, but nobody ever does. Everybody's Johnny Tough Guy in those quiet circles, but nobody's ever got the guts where everybody can hear what you have to say to come on and refute what I say. Well, you just don't get it, Rob. <laughs> you just don't get it. You don't read. You don't have the conversations at Nikki Blaine's that they do. <laughs> you don't have the right networks. You're not. You're not talking with the incredibly wealthy on a consistent basis, who are the ones that make the the nonprofit decisions about where money's going to go. Uh, you know, in education, the biggest non the biggest foundation in the country is here, the Lumina Foundation which was basically Sally Mae rolled itself into a foundation and now funds all kinds of education stuff. Uh, and, and so and, the, and so the whole nonprofit world, we're, you know, it's, a, it's and it's not like Indianapolis is a great city compared to other places because we don't have a lot of partisanship, which is a, 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 another criticism of you is that by being a libertarian voice on the radio, you're breaking down the conciliatory nature that has made Indianapolis a great city and making it more partisan and dumbing it down, they would say. Um, so, you know, why are you so partisan? <laughs> so isn't this isn't this crazy, though, that and I've heard what you've said from other people. And again, it's sad. People don't have the courage to come say it publicly or say it to my face. But think about this. I'm a radio broadcaster. I can't raise anyone's taxes. I can't I can't fund any public projects. I can't I have no control over anyone's existence. And I'm one voice. I'm one voice. And these people are so thin skinned that one voice, a midday talk show host calling them out. And this is what they sit around and obsess about. But what they also recognize is they saw what happened with rainwater and they saw people are beginning to wake up. And I have a vessel because I don't play the game. I don't care if I ever get invited to a Lincoln Day dinner. A huge or... vessel, I hear. A huge vessel. It's huge. Your board, your board is tiny, but your vessel, <laughs> you're a bit. You have a big vessel. It just it it floors me. So this is another great example. So rainwater gets you know uh, hundreds of thousands of votes. They're mostly from Republicans who walked away from the party and and voted for Libertarian. The Republican response in 2021 wasn't, man, you know, we really made a mistake. We really <laughs> no Sagamore. That's right. If anybody deserves a Sagamore, it's me. Uh, the uh, the, um, the the response from the Republicans wasn't, man, you know, we really offended a huge block of conservatives. We need to figure out why that was. Let's try to understand and listen to them. No, they sent a stooge out named Ethan Manning, who's a state house rep from uh, I believe it's the Peru area. And he puts a bill forward that would require libertarians to get 4,500 signatures to run for statewide office. This is the arrogance and the conceit of these people. 
and the total lack of self-awareness. People didn't run to Rainwater because he was, you know, the the next coming of Jesse Ventura. Uh, you know, they, Don's a great guy, and he would, and he he was a good candidate. They walked away from the Republican Party because they don't like you. But instead he of had a, he had a better solution. Exactly. They don't like you. They're tired of lockdowns. They're tired of business closures. They're tired of uh, mass mandates. They're tired of the spending. They're tired of the taxes. And instead of owning that, they send this kid, Ethan Manning, out there and go, put this bill out that would require libertarians to get 4,500 signatures to run for statewide office. And once again, thankfully, people like Abdul and myself got wind of it. And we were able to you know, talk about it and, and get it killed. But this is who runs our state. Yeah, so for people that don't understand, Indiana has automatic ballot access. You get 2% in the Secretary of State's race. It used to be 0.5%, and then the Libertarians did well, so it got raised to 2%. And if you get 2% in the Secretary of State's race, you get automatic ballot access for every Libertarian candidate in the state. Republicans and Democrats have to gather signatures, 500 signatures, in every single district to get on the statewide ballot. And what Manning was saying is that it's unfair that they get an advantage if they're going to be big time now. They, which uh, I hope that the next statewide candidate gets thirteen percent, but it could have just been a moment uh, for for voters. Um, and so Manning was saying it's fundamentally unfair. What's unfair, Rob, is when a Republican doesn't get five hundred signatures in the first district, for instance. What happened then, Rob? <laughs> well, if if Susan Brooks' husband is your attorney and maybe someone on the election board who decides your fate made a donation to your campaign, well, it's close enough. Now, right. Danny Niederberger, who's trying to get on the ballot to run against Todd Young in the U.S. Senate primary, may have come up short in a couple districts by a few signatures. I wonder if Todd will be as gracious, if indeed that is the case, to allow Danny Niederberger to run against him. 2012, Jim Wallace is running against Mike Pence for the nomination of the Republican Party, and he fails to get 500 signatures. To get 500 signatures, you need to get 1,500 if you're an independent because they're going to throw out the majority of those. And they just, man, they just managed to figure out enough reasons to throw out the ballots for Jim Wallace so he couldn't primary Mike Pence. Fast forward to, was it 2016 and Todd Young, was or was it 2018? 2016. 2016, Todd Young is four short in the first district. Yeah, three, three, three signatures short, yep. A heavily and- Democratic district, and lo and behold, the head of the largest law firm, the man that runs the political machine, the man that is sitting in Washington, D.C., while Mike Pence is vice president, collecting $50,000 checks for dinner so you can get access to the vice president. Who is also on the election board? Was it? Uh, there was a there was a donor. No, he. I don't think that. Person I'm, I'm was, not. I'm not going to say that name because of uh, you know. But don't say but, the name. But, that, but yeah, he was instrumental in making sure that Todd Young got on the ballot, and instrumental in making sure Jim Wallace didn't. It's well, it's a Christmas miracle, and it keeps happening. And here's the thing. So when people want to talk about why are you the way that you are, the Republicans <laughs> made a giant mistake in the mid part of the last decade and accidentally let me into their club. And I think part of the reason they did that is, oh, we got to have a couple token conservatives in here. And Kendall's young. We can warp him. And he's just conservative enough that people will go, see, we like conservatives in. And I saw how these people behaved. I saw it. I worked at the state house. I worked at the government center. I was the state pharmacy board director. Yeah, you got uh, one of those cushy patronage jobs. Uh, and, and I was completely miserable and had to quit because I was going to die of a heart attack soon if I didn't get out of there because every day was fighting with people because you look, I I admit it. I'm a recovering Mike Pence fan. I truly admit, I clearly admit that I bought 
When he ran for governor, I bought his bullcrap. I believe the speeches. I believe we're going to go in there and reform government. We're going to storm the Bastille. Everything is going to be great. Let's go. And then you get in there and you realize they really don't want to reform government because if you reform government, let the hamster off the wheel, then people don't need the government and they don't, you don't have as much power. And I spent two years in state government fighting with people every single day. And I really hope Mike Pence runs for president in the near future so I can tell some of these stories because I think CNN would love to hear them. Well, Mitch Daniels legitimately reformed state government and he nearly lost his reelection. Like people don't realize how much of a cost Mitch Daniels paid uh, to try and for educational reform. You know, Tony Bennett lost to a career teachers union person, Glenda Ritz, uh, as punishment for the reform. And it wasn't elites and big go- I mean the elites here in Indiana are all for ed- educational reform and charter schools and all that it was the teachers unions that went and punished Mitch Daniels and uh, J- uh not Jim Banks that nut uh it, it, it was it was just regular people who've been fed bs so you know how do, how do we start rolling some of this back i mean i think you've had some success in just kind of giving sunlight to some of this stuff and not having not being a shrinking violet and not really like have you suffered any kind of personal cost for taking on the local political establishment well you know nathan hale once said my only regret is i have but one life to give for my country so i feel like i'm sort of maybe in modern day yeah uh, yeah you're you're nathan Nathan hale Hale. yeah Yeah. i I don't know what a regular george washington over here with his what's the worst someone could do to me i mean i don't don't get to be on the radio anymore i mean i love radio but i mean it's not life or death i mean you know i mean i'm not a politician you know i don't seek the approval of the voters if if only there were some way to measure a rating system to measure how good I'm doing every single month, so people would know <laughs> every, how every I, week. Yeah, my ratings are. Here's Which those meters just keep going. Oh God, not again! <laughs> I, I've I've never seen ratings meters turn suicidal like they do here in Indianapolis, but it's uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Can but you here, can you please turn on the Heritage Morning Show? I can't take this anymore. It's it's people. So people have got to because I hear this all the time. Well, I can't vote for a third party because it might let the Democrat in. So what? What what would there be more largest tax increases? I mean, what I mean, what would the business more businesses have been shut down in 2020? Would would more than a million people have been put? out of work i mean you got to keep in mind holcomb tried to put you in jail for not wearing a mask curtis hill is the only reason that that's not in the criminal code right now holcomb arbitrarily explain that well so holcomb came out with one of his uh executive orders and said uh it will be a whatever some misdemeanor or whatever if you don't wear a a mask during his uh, arbitrary mask mandate and curtis hill issued an advisory opinion said that's completely unconstitutional you can't do it and within hours that was pulled out of the executive order Hmm. and it wasn't the indiana general assembly it wasn't anybody other than curtis hill who came out and said at the request of i think it was kurt nicely and john jacobs to issue the opinion you can't do that what happened to curtis hill <laughs> other than other than what 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 show was Curtis Hill on? I know I t- I mentioned it, but he was on uh some documentary looking goofy. He was on uh, Tiger King, what? Tiger he? King, yes, that's it. Tiger King two, yeah, 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 yeah. So he um, so this and this is why the Republican Party will not take on Holcomb because the, Curtis Hill was an example. So this is the great thing about the Indiana Republican Party; they had the first African American ever elected. To statewide office. He got more votes than any other Republican in the state of Indiana, including Donald Trump. 
blew Eric Holcomb out of the water, not even close. They now have a diversity, it's not commission, it's a diversity class or club or something that the state Republican Party runs to because they want, they want more African Americans and minorities involved in the party. Eric Holcomb, Connie Lawson, Brian Bosma, the leadership of the Republican Party convicted and sabotaged Curtis Hill without trial or discussion, despite the fact that he was cleared of any criminal wrongdoing. He was cleared of any ethical wrongdoing. The civil suit against him was thrown out. The only thing that got him was because attorneys, and people will laugh about this, are technically held to a higher standard than regular people. He was slapped on the wrist by, I believe, the Supreme Court because he did not uphold the standard for attorneys. Because in he had he had allegedly been at a bar and had sexually harassed some staffers, or what right. was the original claim? Right. Yeah, he allegedly put his hand on a, a staffer and was intoxicated at a bar. But in the system in which we live, if there's no criminal mm-hmm. charges... If there's no ethical charges, and the ethics officer was appointed by Holcomb, so you know if there was one to find, she would have found it. And there's no, and even a civil lawsuit, the, the judge said, get out of here. But yet they completely sabotaged that guy because Curtis Hill had the audacity on multiple fronts to challenge Eric Holcomb. And taking out Curtis Hill and putting Todd Rokita in there was about sending a message to Republicans in the House and Senate, do not cross me, this is what will happen. And now, uh, now we've got Todd Rakita. Mm-hmm. Now, Todd is the guy that appointed me to a state commission. I was the how did that happen? The, the liber- Todd and I were friends, uh, and I don't know what you think of Todd Rakita, but <laughs> uh, Todd's not liked by really anybody. I was one of the last people to to kind of go, yeah, maybe all right about this guy. He's the new attorney general, and who's constantly like, you know, sucking up to Trump's fan base with all kinds of different things, um, and. and like that, so Rakita would come on and co-host, uh, the, uh, would guest host Abdul in the morning when I was producer. You know, when we became friends, and when I was executive director of the Libertarian Party, he put me on the Hava Commission, the Help America Vote Act Commission, and I was the swing vote. And you know, you're you're on these commissions dis- determining how to f- spend funds, and it was a moment for me where you're kind of like, all right, we've got twelve things the feds have mandated we fund for voting. And they're going to give us money for two projects of the 12. And they're going to financially penalize us if we don't do the other 10. But we don't have the money to do the 10. So what do we do? Uh, and there were there were some... The Republicans wanted to do something that was just not beneficial for the voter. And I was the one that was the swing vote that tilted it in the favor of everybody else. Can you imagine um, having to suck up to you for anything? Could you imagine? And here I am, I'm like 300 pounds, I don't even own a suit, I'm showing up in like dirty tennis shoes. Tie-dye. I I just think back to to my career at the LPIN and what a joke I was, like, oh, I was just such a fat mess, it was just (laughs) disgusting, what a bad representation, I was great at the job, don't get me wrong, the best years were... We're 08 to 12 for, for the now, party. but Now, Harry, you're a super fit dude. Is there ever a time where you look back on old photos of yourself and say, what was I doing with my life? Uh, not really. I, I just look at them and go, like, man, I miss being 7% body fat. <laughs> uh-huh. No, Harry's, Harry's always been super hot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, sometimes I look at like even so like mode, like uh, I found like a notebook of like the, what I used to eat. And I was like, man, I could even imagine trying to eat that much food right now. Yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, no, I didn't no, mean to interrupt your moment yeah, in the and, sun. And then Rakita, you know, started going after the debate commission, which is like one of the fairest, most open, like the libertarians are in the debate no matter what. And then he was trying to blow it up because he didn't think it was fair because he got asked a hard question. And I'm just like, what? Uh, so now he's a, t- a t- attorney general, but he's he's... You know, the hard part about so much of this, Rob, is, like, I know I'm not a progressive in any way, shape, or form. I know I'm not a Democrat, and I know I'm not a Republican because I so often hate them, too, and always have. Because, much like you, I went through the 2000s and and was part—I was in the rooms, right? Election night, I'm sitting next to Brian Bosma— the Speaker of the House, the most powerful man in the state. Like, I'm watching from the inside how all this works. And it, and then I became a reporter for, for WXNT, and I saw even further how both parties work. And I'm just like, there's got to be a better way. Uh, and that's why I took the Libertarian Party of Indiana job. And I'm not going to say that the Libertarian Party is always the better way, <laughs> but at least you don't feel like you need a shower at the end of the day when you when you vote for a lot of their candidates. I um, love that your show is called We Are Libertarians, and arguably no one has done more for libertarianism than you, and yet you are hated by a huge portion of the Indiana Libertarian Party. Isn't that I hilarious? Love that. And, I love and, that. And it's because I tried to save them from themselves in 2016. Jim Wallace uh, had some allegations against him that were really ugly. And uh, my then co-host, uh, I was friends with the Indiana Republican Party political director. I knew what they had in their drawers. And I had to save them from themselves at a great personal cost. Uh, and uh, I still love all those people. I still uh, am friends with many of them. But there are a lot of old-time libertarians that hate me because I understand how politics works. And it's memes. Memes are what people... I, I knew years ago that the way to get people's attention and try to persuade them is not through long philosophical discussions. It's through making them laugh. It's through giving them quick hits. It's through new media and a lot of people who are stuck in the 1990s mode of politics don't get that. Uh, and you know, how can you be Howard Stern and still be a respectable libertarian? Because the Libertarian Party of Indiana has fought really hard for legitimacy. And they have felt that the We Are Libertarians podcast network uh, and its co-host and myself have undermined that respectability. And that just couldn't be further from the truth because... When I go out and I sit with names that are now very powerful people, they all read my feed. I mean, when I if I if I told you the names of the people, it wouldn't mean anything to the audience, Rob, but you'd go, "Yeah, that guy's a political insider to the max. Like that guy's making the decisions for the elite." They all read my my Facebook feed. They all subscribe to my podcast. They all want to know what I'm going to say because I am like you, an idiot. Uh, but there's an entertaining layer to it that gets you got to get attention in the attention economy to bring awareness to these big issues because like you I was on your show I'll be on your show uh, this week uh, Monday Monday and I'll podcast that and the reality you you ask me like why don't why don't the local media report on Holcomb and why do they carry water for him and the answer is they're clickbait mills they're only giving people information that they know will get a click. Oh my God, the huge thunderstorm. Oh, look at what Pat McAfee did and look at the Colts and look at that. It's clickbait. And so to get attention for the v- issues that you care about, 
You've got to talk to people in a way that they want to understand. They want to hear it a certain way. They want to laugh. They want to be entertained. They, you know, and, and there are definitely times we took it way too far uh, in the 2015 to 2017 era trying to find our way, Harry. Just, um, just a little bit. <laughs> you know, trying to get Greg Lins investigated by the TSA and NSA probably was a little too far. Um, so... Uh, but but but, but think about yeah, and there's a whole bunch of things you guys did that if you had to do it over again, you probably would. But think about the friendships and bonds that came out of it, and yes, you know, you guys really got me in many ways uh, thinking, starting to think a little differently. On, to, on to, look, so, to pull back the curtain and look at what's really going on, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have to go full QAnon to like look around and go things aren't right. I, uh, you know, Larry Kehoe here writes, shouldn't the name of this podcast be along the lines of weirdest disgruntled Republicans? <laughs> yeah, I am a longtime disgruntled Republican. I make no bones about it. I am a libertarian, but I am a right-leaning libertarian. I always have been. I make no bones about it. I came from the Republican Party. I look at Mitch Daniels with reverence and not hate. Uh, I'm always going to be that way. I'm clear about my bias, and I don't care if you don't like it. Fuck off if it's not your your cup of tea. Uh, I but I'm gonna get or along, <laughs> right? But I'm gonna get along with everybody. I'm gonna go sit down and have lunch with some of these insider Republicans and be cordial, respectful, be friendly. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have you know people. They all ask me about Rob. How can you be friends with Rob Kendall? Because Rob is actually a really nice guy. He's not as stupid and as vile as he is on the radio. Uh, he's actually an intelligent person who knows what he's doing. He just understands politics better than you. And the wave of change in how people are reacting and relating to their government has not has not reached a lot of these people yet, Rob. They don't understand as much as I hate and loathe Jim Lucas, Jim Lucas understands how politics works better now. I mean, he just does. And I don't like it. I don't think it's good. But that's where we're headed is the Jim Lucases of the world are going to eventually start being in charge. That's why I hated Donald Trump, and I don't know why you uh, love daddy so much. You know exactly why I loved Trump. It had nothing to do with this politics. It had to do with the fact that our country is run by people who would be great cast members on The Sopranos. Yeah. They are mafioso figures. They uh, have done very little, if anything, for the American people. They've totally enriched themselves. Uh, that's why so many go in regular people and walk out millionaires. And Trump made all those people miserable, and no other Republican probably could have won anyway. So why not enjoy the guy making the people miserable who have made the country miserable? Yeah, but you put one mob figure in for another. <laughs> That's what I never got. No, 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 no. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. It, it, Trump did do some really good things. Trump, Trump's, uh, Trump did some bad things, but Trump did do some some good things. Trump was just his own worst enemy, and that's why if yeah. you actually want a conservative in 2024, you can't nominate Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis is far more conservative than than Donald Trump. He's far more effective at governance than than Donald Trump. But Trump served his purpose, which was this country has been run and ruled by absolutely terrible people for generations, and he pulled a lot of that curtain back. So I feel like mission accomplished. Uh, you can thank me later. All right. Well, I just noticed what time it is. I'm so sorry. I agreed to oh, get out here by 11. So, uh, yeah, I just I agree with you. The Republicans will never win with Trump again. He, he is the... He, he just... That last year, it's not like he was good before, but that last year was just such a wreck and such a disaster... And I see libertarians like 
to, to me, your, your point is well taken. It's like, but the left, but the left, but the left is not good enough. Right? <laughs> like, so what if uh, if Nancy Pelosi's in charge? It's no different than Donald Trump, who wants a bigger stimulus. So yeah, I think uh, I think you're right on. I appreciate what you're doing. I think you're giving people a model for um, holding local governments accountable. Start a podcast in your local area. Show up to city council meetings and start talking about this stuff. If you get 200 listeners, you're... Jeremiah Morrill is the Joe Rogan of Newcastle. Everybody listens to that guy. He is the Abdul of his local town. He wields enormous influence because, you know, 400, 500, 600 people in his town listen, but that's like a majority that can tilt things in the balance towards libertarian principles. Start a podcast, start a radio show, get a weekend show like Rob, get on the lowest rated AM station in your town to get experience until you can get, get but... How do people do what you do in, in holding local government accountable? You tell us. Well, okay. So first of all, uh, I want to thank you and Harry and everybody who's been a part of We Are Libertarians for all these years because you guys were doing this years before it was uh, cool or hip. I remember doing, I guess, what was an early days of Zoom call with you guys yep. back in like 2012. I was like, who is this weirdo? Um, and uh, we've been friends ever since. So thank you to what you guys do. The biggest issue is to get involved you would be amazed at what two or three people can do if they put their minds to it i mean a great example much of this opened for me because one day i just said i'm going to run for local public office and i had a campaign of basically two or three people who did all the doors with me and we won and that was the catalyst for me for everything going forward you can help people you can like you said think about a podcast if you reach 200 people they can then reach 200 people Whatever it is, whatever free time you have, and I'm not ab- you know, uh, saying you should not spend time with your family or be a good parent or anything like that, but you have the ability to make change. You, you, uh, you just get involved. Just get off your ass and go do stuff. And Chris, if you would, these people, please tell them I'm desperate to talk to them in the Republican establishment. I have so many conversations I need to have. Isn't with it them. hilarious that I have become the establishment? <laughs> Isn't it hilarious that I, who have virtually no power, uh, and I have to thank, uh, I won't thank the person that brings me to all these circles, but, you know, and I don't hate any of these. They're all really nice, and they all think they're doing the exact right thing. And, like, and this is the amazing This is the amazing thing about you. We've switched places. When yeah. I first met, met you, I was in elected office, and I was like, wow, that guy's kind of extreme. And now the roles have reversed where you are the one who goes to the dinners and the dances and the fancy uh, gatherings, and I'm the... Uh, uh, guy on the outside uh, shaking my fist at everyone. So it's uh, it, it's, it's, really it's, it's been a it's been an interesting education to sit across like railing against the cultural trail and then meeting the guy that's responsible for it and hearing his rationale for it. And I don't agree with him and I don't think it was the right call. But you do like start to see like, oh, these people aren't evil. They think they're doing the right thing. They just don't understand the cost, the mm-hmm. true long term cost of their decisions because. They're seeking the immediate gratification and glorification in that moment, trying to be significant in this period of time and not looking at the long-term effects of what they're doing. That's such a, it's a, you make such a great point. I'll, I'll leave with this because I think you just hit the nail on the head. I've said this about Eric Holcomb for years. Eric's problem is he's never worked a real job. And every job he's ever been in, the money's just always been there. Head right. of the Republican Party, oh, money's there. Right-hand man to Mitch Daniels. Oh, money's there. Work for Dan Coats. Oh, the money's there. So when Eric Holcomb shuts down 
tens of thousands of businesses or puts a million people out of work, it's fine. The government will take care of it. You know, it, it's fine. Why are people so upset? The government's going to pay these people not to work. It'll it'll be fine. The real world impact gets lost on these people. And it's I want to say it's out of a sense of naivety. I don't know how a guy who went to Wabash, you could say that he's, you know, a sense of naivety. I mean, it's a great education, but it almost is. It's not, a, I guess, I don't know if evil is the right word, but I mean, the fact that there are people that are this unlearned and, and this stupid running society is scary either way. Yep. And I will, I will just say that, uh, you know, it sapped some of my heat and my anger. But you've helped get some of it back. You know, it's it's it's, it's, hard, it's hard to hate people when you're when you're talking with them. Yeah. Um, God, but. God, God bless you, and God bless Harry, and thank you for letting me be on the show with you guys today. All right, thanks, thanks, Rob, thanks, Harry, for being here and being a pretty face. We'll talk to you all next week.